Take a seat at the table with us. My name is Anthony Brinson. I'm Deshaun Johnson. I'm Thomas Cobb. And welcome to the Sports Roundtable Podcast. So, unfortunately, MSU is in a bit of a drought right now, a bit of a wind drought, and they lost, I think, 26 to 16. Was that the score? Yes, sir. Iowa. Mm-hmm. And just any takeaways for you guys on how they can improve or just what's going on? Because isn't this third loss in a row? For me, it was a very demoralizing loss, mm. and I almost think it would have been better for not just MSU fans, but for anybody who's associated with MSU watching the game, that they just got blown out. Because in the third quarter of that game and in the late fourth quarter of that game, I had some serious hope. I was like, we have the chance to pull this off. We have a chance to rewrite the season, get back on track, make a statement. And then we saw the same MSU that we've seen for the past three weeks show up when it mattered the most. And I think part of that is Iowa. Cade McNamara went down early. That obviously didn't help them whatsoever. They played very poorly, I think, the Hawkeyes did for a majority of that game. And we're still able to come away with a double-digit win. And it was just the way that MSU lost that was so agonizing. You know, the offense shut off. There was a punt return touchdown in the fourth quarter to take the lead. And it was just one of those games where you walk away saying, like, well, what just happened? Yep. Like, are we going to be able to, to respond to this? I mean, I've been asking that question to myself and to various people after the Maryland and Washington games. And after this Iowa game, I really don't see Michigan State bouncing back this year. I don't see mm-hmm. them picking up that, that signature win that I think a lot of fans were hoping that – this past Saturday would be and against an Iowa team that's let's be honest is lacking in a lot of areas but it would have been a statement win in the sense that it's a primetime game it's at 7 30 p.m on a Saturday you're on the road it was a great environment in Iowa City the crowd really showed up and they had a chance to win for, for three and a half quarters and it fizzled out at the end and I would have almost rather seen us lose by 30. I totally agree. As far as your statement of I would have preferred to blow out, I'm just going to go out and say that this game, as you kind of mentioned, it was a complete roller coaster for me. I mean, um, we kind of off, we kind of started off with a slow start, as we have all year, basically, for the most part. I mean, our offense continues to struggle in the beginning of the games, which has been not fun to watch. Um, but, you know, so like I said, I'm riding low, but then thanks to Kim, <clears throat> and no, I'm not talking about Noah Kim, I'm talking about Jonathan Kim, he gets us on the board early, you know, I mean, two quick field goals, get up on the board, we end up having a lead for a little while, and then of course, I'm back on that low again, <sighs> we have an interception thrown by Kim, and just at that point, I don't know if you guys got the chance, to, like if you were watching, but I'm like, what, what what are we doing here, it's a complete overthrow, sometimes, you know, I just like watching the games on TV compared to watching them online, we, I see these replays over and over, and I just start to question, What's going on? Like, well, what was he looking at? Where was he seeing? Cause it was a complete overthrow. I, I, I forget it. It was Glover, and he's going. He's doing an in route, and he complete. He throws basically like a. He's throwing like a vertical. He, he throws it right over his head, straight yep. into the cornerback's hand. And I'm sitting there like, what's going on? I'm back on the roller coaster again, though. Thanks to Jonathan Kim once again, he bangs that 58 yarder, and I'm I'm on an all time high at that point. That may have been the highest point on the roller coaster for me, but. You mentioned Thomas. I mean, the second two quarters were really rough for us. We, you mentioned the offense completely shut down again. I don't know what was going on there. Kim threw his second interception. We got um, a, the punt return, as you mentioned, and 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 I just at that point I w- I was done. You know, once I knew that it was sealed for us, and we somehow still managed to lose a double digit game that was ultimately close the entire time. I mean, like like you mentioned, I had some legitimate hope. Like I didn't. It wasn't season hope, but it was 
we can win this game. And, and it would just be a com- huge picker upper. And we blow it, and I, I'm back down on my, I'm back down in the dumps. And at this point, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but you, you're right, Thomas. I mean, like, I don't see MSU really picking it up from here. I don't. I think we should really start exploring some other options. I think Hauser should definitely start getting some more looks. You mentioned this a couple Kate weeks Hauser. ago. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, no, seriously. I like why not? I I know some people. You know, the the MSU fans have been calling for it back in our last couple home games, and at first it's kind of a joke. But I mean, why not? Caden Hauser has given us a little bit of energy. Granted that the only times we've seen him is obviously against some backups and whatnot. But he's given us at least a little bit of energy, and why not try the kid out? It just I, I don't want to, like, put Noah Kim down, but he's a, he's a collegiate athlete. And, I mean, like, it, 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 it has not been working out in the best of ways for us. Our offense, it just it seems like we're working on a whim here. And we it, although Hauser may not be the answer, he could be the start of an answer for who knows. Yeah, the most frustrating part about it for me – I mean, they, they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, the quarterback play with the turnovers. The Maryland game, the uh, final score was 31-9, to although I felt like they played some solid football at times. You know, they got stops defensively. Yeah. They moved the ball, but turnovers destroyed them in that Maryland game. I yep. think they ended with five. Mm-hmm. And the mantra going into last week, this past Saturday, was mm-hmm. hold on to the football yep. and don't turn it over. And if Michigan State doesn't turn the ball over, or you could argue if they don't shank a punt, Yes, yeah. In the fourth quarter, I mean, I mean, we're heading into the bye week with a signature statement win yeah. over a very solid Big Ten program. And for me, that was the most agonizing part was we were in the driver's seat, and then we did the one thing that was on the game plan. Yeah, definitely. To, to not do, which was turn the ball over. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, just to, just to one, add one more mention, I mean, it's amazing. It's not amazing for us as MSU fans or for MSU in general, but it's, it's, it's more agonizing in that sense. But... Perfect punch for us. Like almost all this year, we've been having great success in special teams areas, at least. And we shanked the one punt that we had. Like I mean, like I, I, watching it on the like you know sometimes TV doesn't always do plays justice, but you could see the you punt see the it. moment it came off yep. his foot that yep. we were like, oh no. And and then to let it go for a return, I, I understand it was short, but I mean like to, to let it go for a return, just not be able to get on that ball, it hurt. It it hurt. Yeah, well, last year Michigan State's best composite player was their punter, <laughs> and I think that this year it might be their kicker. Yeah. And Saturday was definitely a special teams battle turned into a huge special teams battle, yeah. the field position game. Give Mason Engler credit, man. He pinned Iowa back probably eighty percent of the time yeah. in that game, Put and then back in their own five. And then, you know, you you get to the fourth quarter and <sighs> it doesn't go your way, and all of a sudden your backs are against the wall. Yep. Yeah, it's looking a bit rough. And is there any update as far as a search for a coach? Like, is it still, is that also another area that's a great area right now for MSU football? Absolutely. Right now, I mean, it's, we just hit October. There's not going to be any legitimate candidate list for some time. Yeah. And anything you see in the media, rumors, reports, are likely just exactly that, rumors. Yeah, I mean. And so... I mean, obviously, we can bring up Urban Meyer. There's been reports, quote-unquote reports, this past week saying that he was in East Lansing, that there's mutual interest between both parties. Right. And we've also seen contradicting reports, which are that he he has no interest in the job. (laughs) He hasn't been to East Lansing. And that just kind of, for me, epitomizes the whole nature of this early October coaching search. Yeah. And in response to those reports, uh, the athletic director and vice president Alan Howler posted a statement saying, hey, listen, any candidates that we have, any list that we have is going to be private. Right. And I think 
that it, that, was, that was almost a direct response to the Urban Meyer reports. Yep. And I think that could be taken one way or the other. It could be taken as, oh, he realizes that uh, the news got out and he's trying to cover it, or that it's completely false. Mm-hmm. But he can't say either one. Right. And that's, like I said, it's just kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to searching for a new head coach in week five, week six of the college football season. Mm-hmm. Everybody, about 95% of the candidates are currently coaching their own teams right, right now. Right. And so that's why you just can't put any stock. You can't put you can't invest in anything that is being said right now as far as you know, current coaches in college football that are candidates for Michigan State's job because we have no idea what their seasons are going to look like. We have no idea what Michigan State's seasons season is going to look like. And so overall, it's I mean, it's like you said, Ann, it's a huge gray area. Yeah, I totally agree. <clears throat> like like you said, Thomas, I'm not sure what direction we're going to be going in with this whole head coaching thing. But I have been obviously hearing the Urban Meyer rumors, and, <clears throat> you know, there's a million and one things we could say on that as far as what would happen or what would not happen, depending on if he came. But everything that I've been seeing is kind of showing that he's not interested right now. But um, it just seems that, like, you're correct. Putting stock in any of these rumors right now, it's just it's not the smart option to do right now. It's not the, the sports smart option to do right now. And to add on to that, I... It's not like, you know, we keep seeing all these reports, as you mentioned, of these coaches that are already, they're in the midst of their coaching season right now. What are they going to do? Openly talk about their interests in the midst of their season? That's, it's not like we're going to see that. So it's completely unreliable to look into these things right now. Like, I mean, obviously there's going to be people making lists all around, you know, different medias. And some some of that is in hope, you know, and obviously as a student here, I would, I would hope that we do pick the right candidate. But Truthfully, that candidate right now has nothing to do with the, with the business of MSU students or like other media sources. That's I, I totally agree with Haller in the fact that it's a private matter. And if 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 it's as you mentioned, the fact that the news got out, well, that's one thing. And I hope that uh, we're, we fully think everything through before we're already making that decision or we're already bringing in people. However, if it's the other way and it's just it's he just simply is like responding to the news as it's not true and we're keeping the information private. That's what I think should be done. I think that we shouldn't be following any type of route right now just because it's what the people want. This is going to, you know, I mean, we've had some coaching issues just this past couple of years, and I think that this should be a tough process that we go through and do our fully checks and balances before we make any decisions. Yeah, and I think it's a, kind of a breath of fresh air now that Spartan fans can look back on Mel Tucker and say that he was not an X's and O's guy. Yeah. You know, he could recruit. He could take the – pictures with recruits with recruits he could you know look like he was all that yeah but in reality on the football field he was below average yeah I mean you looked at some of the, the game management stuff from a year ago and it, it just was hard to look at him as as a 10-year 100 million dollar coach and the good thing about it, it as well is we can turn our focus now now that I mean I don't want to be grim here but pretty much all hope is lost for Michigan State's <laughs> football season yeah we'd be lucky to win two or three more games all year and so now we can turn our focus over to basketball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, incoming top five team in the country, I don't see us being outside of the top five in, in any national ranking preseason. And it is really – it's going to be rejuvenating, I think, for the Spartan community to be able to rally around not just a team but a coach that they know is going to be there for them and is going to be there for the players. I think Tom Izzo has the chance to really unite the fan base. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I totally agree. I think this year is going to be really exciting. I mean, we got a great look last year at what the potential of this MSU basketball team can be. It was obviously a heart heart wrenching loss last year for us, but I mean, coming into this year, there's been a whole new sense of positivity. 
Um, Izzo, you know, there's been a couple of media days, and Izzo has spoken on the fact that we have a mixture of ages on the basketball roster this year, which I think is going to be a great opportunity for us. You know, we, I mean, we got some veterans now in Hoggard and Tyson Walker, who I think both have a lot on their plate this year. Like, I mean, like, they got, they, they've got many different people looking into them as far as NBA talent goes. They've got the, the fact that they're going to be leading, leading veterans on this team this year. We're bringing in some exciting freshmen, too. So, you know, they're definitely going to have to keep them on their toes while they're on their toes as well. And I'm just excited to see what's going to happen there. I mean, we obviously got Jeremy Fierce Jr. coming in. I think he's going to give us a lot of new energy. I think he's going to be a great look for us. He's super exciting. I mean, what can you say? And then, you know, we've also got some other things. Like, I mean, like, you know, uh, I've seen uh, some good information coming in on Cohen Carr. He looks like he's really excited for the season. And then Maddie Sissoko, um, and Nick was able to mention stuff about it last year, but the guy's gained almost like what 15 to 20 pounds of muscle he's looking beefed up for this year and it's just it's it's really exciting to see what can happen this year for msu basketball i am super excited to be able to catch some of the games be reporting for the games whatever i can do just to be a part of it is a great experience but i mean i i truly think that we have some serious potential this year like i mean like final four was something that was like out of the re- like like just barely out of our hopes last year as like we could jokingly this year, I mean, it's really the potential this year. I mean, we have a great squad. I think if you ask any Michigan State fan, anything less than a Final Four would be a disappointment this 100%. season. One hundred percent. And that kind of speaks to the kind of coach that, that that Izzo is, you know. And there's only so much you can do in a one and done tournament, right? You know, like a team in the in the NBA, like a one seed will lose, you know, a playoff game in a seven game series to the eight seed just because yeah. that's how basketball works, right? And so, in a one and done tournament, to say Final Four bust. I think it speaks volumes it to does. to a coach, and you know he loves being being he he loves all the hype. He does. Oh and, yeah, he does. And I, I I did a story on the the presser this earlier this week, and yep. he said exactly that. He said, you know, I love it. People have asked me the question, "Do you like it?" I love it. <laughs> and you know, this is a team that was a couple of turnovers for touchdowns and couple of Kansas State missed prayer shots away from playing Florida Atlantic for a trip to the Final Four. Right. And then in the Final Four, playing San Diego State. And so I think that, that if that isn't a wake-up call for the, the nature of the beast when it comes to March Madness, you know, it's it it really is just it's the little things that matter. It's, yeah. the, it's the turnovers for, for touchdowns. It's, you know, how many shots, how can you make tough shots? And I really... Think that Izzo is locked in this year. I think that okay. he is is focused on not just making it where he wants to make it, but getting these kids where they need to be. He always says that his greatest satisfaction as a coach comes from seeing a player go from point A to point B. Right. And now that we have a top five incoming class, Jeremy Fears, Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr, yep. Derek Norman, all these guys have really amazing potential at Michigan State. I mean, even you think about Garrick Norman, who's the the fourth wheel. "Quote unquote" right. of this of this class, but he's got. I mean, he's he's McQuaid esque, mm-hmm. and Izzo said exactly that at, at his press conference. You know, he's going to be that three four year player that sticks around, develops, hopefully into a great player. Right. And the thing, the great thing about Izzo is, if you're coming in and you play defense, you will see the floor. And we saw that last year with Trey Holloman. I mean, he was just about as much of a liability as you could be offensively. Yeah. But they I mean the kid played phenomenal defense. And as a result, you played. Yep. And it's a lot of exciting things coming for MSU basketball this year. And I know, unfortunately, like you mentioned, like it's looking grim for MSU football this season. But do you guys have any college football predictions as far as, uh, coincidentally enough, Michigan is number two in the world. And we got, like, I don't know if 
Colorado will be able to bounce back and maybe get anywhere near that picture, any other bowl games. But just how is the playoff atmosphere looking as of uh, October, in you guys' opinion? So, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a there's still a lot of undefeated teams that are looking like some serious powerhouses this year, so it's still kind of hard to navigate exactly what's going to be happening towards the final post of the year. But looking into some things, I'm just going to mention my two favorites coming into this year. Um, one of them is going to be a little bit of an obvious one, so I'll get that out of the way first. Um, I am hoping, I'm not sure if I'm hoping, but I'm, I can definitely see the first modern three-peat here, guys. I mean, Georgia is continuing to stay number one in the nation. They're, they're, they're continuously holding on to that number one rank for AP Top 25. They've been playing some solid football. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know they've had some obviously obvious I was lost changes. to Peyton Thorns Auburn. Now, yes, okay, so right. So not the greatest performance against Auburn, but I do think they have a chance to bounce back this week against Kentucky. They're going to see their first Top 25 matchup, and we'll probably get a real balance on what's going to happen with them this year. It's obvious that Carson Beck has shown that he's a game manager. Game manager. He's not exactly the same. He's not. He's obviously not Stetson Bennett and what he was able to do for Georgia. Right. I, you know, he's got. I think he's got seven touchdowns on the year. I think maybe two or three interceptions. And but the guy is their defense requires just that a game manager. It's not like they need a star quarterback. They need someone who is just able to keep the ball when they need it, and the defense will keep giving it to them. You know, and. They, they can't beat you if they can't score more than you. You just have to be able to get some points on the board. And so I think that, I mean, obviously <laughs> they've been doing really Brock Bowers has continued to look like the best player on the field, no matter the opponent they're playing against. He's been having a great he Might be the best year. player in college football. It's, it's it's definitely debatable up there. So, I mean, it's it, Georgia is definitely, I can see a 3P happening. It would, be a, it would be a great achievement, and it would be awesome just to be able to witness it. However, they definitely don't have the easiest road, like I mentioned, Kentucky coming up this week. And I also mentioned there's many different teams looking like some serious powerhouses this year. The, my other little sneaky favorite here, I mean, um, they've been on the show before. We've talked about them. But Washington is having a heck of a year, guys. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I mean, Penix has been leading that squad. They're number one in passing yards this year. They're also uh, – they, Michael Penix himself, he has three of UW's top ten passing game this year. One of them, obviously, against us when he threw four. Like in school history? Yeah, in school history. He's got three of the top ten games already this year. This season, wow. He is surely up there with Caleb Williams right now as, as a, one of the clear Heisman's up there. And it would be it's, that's a whole other thing going with USC. The only reason, I, I, they're obviously a great team. I'm just not loving what they're putting out there in the, in the game plan of we just got to have a better offense. We're, right. we're going to get by. Right. We're going to get by with the defense that we have. They've obviously dropped a couple spots. They were good. They were above Oregon, above Washington. Dropped a couple spots though because I mean like it shows that they haven't been the most impressive team just because I mean th- their game against Colorado. I don't know if we're going to get to that later or not, but at, at first it seemed like Caleb Williams was going all on the field and it was going to be another tough game for Colorado. But next thing you know, they let them right back up into that game and it, who, who's to say that another couple minutes on that clock the the, the outcome could have been completely different. I mean you know it. Uh, it, it was a it was a it was a squib kick away from being a different outcome, honestly. So, uh, right. I, I don't know what's going to be happening with USC, but Washington. I mean, like I said, they're they're number one in total passing yards. They're number one in total offense. Their their O line's been doing a great job, only allowing I think three sacks on the year. So I I think they're a little sneaky favorite for me. Um, I like I said, it's still a bit of a ways out to choose, but I mean, uh, Michigan is obviously I mentioned, but I just you know I, I bleed green. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can utter those words on the show right now, but. I just I, I think it's going to be a super exciting post here, no matter what the outcome is. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be happening for us, but being able to just watch it as a, as a pure fan, I think it's going to be a great time this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about USC in the sense that, you know, that game plan isn't going to beat the Georgias and the Michigans of college football, right, where right. 
you know, you go up against a team that's so well-rounded that you need both sides, like you need your own both sides to be to be in conjunction with each other, to right. be firing on all cylinders. I have no problem saying that Michigan, I think right now, is a national favorite. Mm-hmm. Michigan is incredible football team. They're very well coached. Yeah. They 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 just beat you. To, they beat you to, to death. They really do. They I do. mean, you'll be you know down ten at the half, thinking you got a chance, and then by the fourth quarter you're down thirty five. Right. And it's just because they pound the rock. They get stops defensively, and they just wear you down physically. I mean, this is a this is a, a old school smash mouth football team, and you mm-hmm. got to give a lot of credit to Jim Harbaugh for really instilling that culture over the past you know five six years. They they had their down years. They had years. I mean, if you remember back, Harbaugh was on the hot seat. Yeah. And several times almost left for the NFL because fan base was, you know, kind of at his, at his throat. You know, we need to be at this – we need to be here, not right. here. And he's to, – to his credit, he's taken them there. And I think J.J. McCarthy is a first-round quarterback. The guy has almost every single tool in the box. He just needs to put on a little weight, I think. But he's got everything. He's got the feet. He's got the arm. He's got the mindset. Mm-hmm. He's got the leadership. And I think right now Michigan's the national favorite. I think Michigan right now would go out and beat Georgia by double digits. Just oh, wow. Of, really? Yep, yeah, I do. Just because of the way – I mean, if, if you remember back to Georgia's – the year before they won their first national championship, mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett was worse than a game manager. Yeah. He was actually a liability for that offense at times. And what got them over the hump to winning that national championship was becoming a game manager. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that he became – you know the guy for that offense, right. and, he, and he really, really stepped it up, and and was I would say an elite college quarterback that yeah. year. But I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything out of Carson Beck that is different from that first year with Stetson Bennett. You mm-hmm. know, like just kind of a liability at times, and you know, it's like you said, Georgia, all they need is a game manager, but he's got to be that. Yeah, you know, he's he's got to play to that to the level of a game manager, and not and not turn the ball over, which he did, mm-hmm. and. It, just, it was really very surprising to me because it was kind of a, a fall from grace for Georgia. I think they were a little bit embarrassed by that Auburn game. You yeah, know, definitely. They've, they've rolled through their competition for the past, you know, 700 days. Yeah, it wasn't a great showing. No, no. And it just kind of it showed that, you know, these guys are not these guys are not world beaters. I think Washington is the best, the best team in college football right now. There you go. Um, Michigan's my pick to win it all, but I think Washington is the best team in college football right now. It's been about the defense. Their defense has, has taken that step. Yeah. Because I think it's Michigan State. I mean, a lot. I think a lot of fans were at least hoping Michigan State would show something offensively, and, yeah. and they didn't. Washington. No breathing. They're right. big. They're fast. They're strong. And in that game, I remember in the student section right below us was the defensive lineman warming up, and me and my buddy were looking down, and we just said, "We have no chance to win this game." Yeah. I mean, those <laughs> those guys. It didn't matter. Like we didn't even need to see them in the game. They were they were bigger, they were stronger, and they appeared to be faster. And that, that's exactly what they were. And I right. think that that's what it takes for Washington defensively to get them over the hump to really establish that identity on that side of the ball. Because we know their offense is gonna is gonna just be like ungodly. I mean, yeah, no, Michael Penix, like you said, he's I wouldn't say he's a better prospect than Caleb Williams. I don't think anybody would say that. Yeah, but literally. he's he's certainly having a better year. And that's a credit to Kalen uh, DeBoer and their coaching for sure. Yeah, and it's so cool to at least see like 
even though MSU um, football is having an off year, just to see like Michigan perform really well and for them to be as good for you to say like they'll beat Georgia by double digits, like that says a lot. It's and good for then, the state, yeah. for sure. It's, really, and, it's good for the state. Definitely. Yeah, and it's very exciting to see that type of news and see those type of performances from these teams. And with that being said, with going into the NFL to keep it in the football realm, how do you guys see the season so far in that perspective as far as the professional football side? Well, I think it's similar in a lot of ways that there's – there's a lot of parody. I mean, right now, I think a lot of people would choose the 49ers as the top dog in the NFL, but then again, you know, anything could happen. Last year, we saw them lose their quarterback in right. the first drive of the NFC Championship, and they lost, you know, handedly. So, it just, it, it, I think it makes a lot of fans excited to see that it's anybody's game on both sides of the bell, NFL and college. Yeah. And I, don't, I haven't gotten to, gotten to watch a ton of of uh, professional football so far this year. So I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you take it over to Sean. I will say that <clears throat> you're right, Thomas. It's been an exciting year for NFL football so far. I mean, to, to, to go on what you said of it's anybody's game, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that everybody kind of went into the Chiefs last matchup against the Jets thinking that, oh, with what's going on between the Jets and the Chiefs looking to really try and, like, show their offense this year. It's kind of been a struggle for them, too. Pat Mahomes just released a statement saying, you know, to blame those problems on him. He'll be able to figure out the struggles, and I hope he will. I hope he does. But I kind of think that uh, at least I was thinking that the Chiefs were going to roll the Jets in that game. Like, I, like I, th- I think at this point, you know, I think the Jets should be, like, looking into new options, maybe bringing in a – I know they just brought in a backup quarterback. I don't remember his name, but I don't think – Well, Zach Wilson had, had a night. He did. Zach Wilson actually did have himself a night, and, and, I mean, that was surprising to see. I think that was really good for his mental. I think that – it, going into this game, it was looking like it could potentially be Zach Wilson's last start in the right, NFL. Right. So I think it was really good for his mental. I think that he was just able to really click with his receivers somehow, and they made a really good push in the end of that game. So the, going on that aspect of it could be anyone's game, I think it's super exciting to watch this year. Um, I, the 49ers, you're right. I mean, like they, they've been just playing much better than I even think I could have expected them right. to. Brock Purdy, I mean, he's been having himself another year, and that's been quite a, that's been kind of nice to see because we were kind of left on like this bit of a cliffhanger last year with him being hurt, yet he's undefeated in the every game that he's not hurt so far. So it's like we didn't really know what was going to come out of that. There was definitely some expectations that he may not be as good as he was last year, and they were kind of on a hot streak. But similar to what we talk about with the, the Georgia and their situation, Brock Purdy doesn't have to be a world beater. They have a great defense and a great squad on their offense as well. I mean, there's definitely a couple Hall of Famers on that team that like are, are, are going to be clear right now. So I, oh, yeah. I, I think that it, San Francisco, you're right, is definitely the clear favorite. I do, however, like it, it's been a jumble as far as the NFC goes because, like, I mean, we have the the Eagles have not been playing as good as football as they were last year. I mean. It just hasn't been the same type of input. We, quarterback play this year hasn't been the greatest overall. Like, I mean, we've definitely seen some crazy games and crazy numbers coming from, like, Miami and Tua. But otherwise, quarterback play this year hasn't been as stunning or as crazy as it was last year. I think the Bills started off rough, and they're playing great now. And Josh Allen's now looking like one of our MVP favorites, if not Tua. It's, it's, it's been a crazy season so far. And I think that if you're missing out, there's a lot of different catching up you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go back. If you if you missed the last two weeks, I mean, the Cowboys, who were looking like great teams, got dusted by the Cardinals somehow. And obviously there's some issues going on there. But, I mean, there's just so many different games right now that have created some of the craziest outputs. The, one of the last things that I'll go on to before I, I pass it off to Anthony here, I I think um, one of the sneaky quarterbacks that I really love to see, like kind of like prosper, was uh, I, I I really like Trevor Lawrence. I, I loved his story going coming in. You know, 
undefeated in high school, undefeated through college, and obviously we knew that was going to change once he got to Jacksonville. Right. There's going back to Urban Meyer in his first year. Nothing then, he could have <laughs> done about that. Yeah, one. yeah. Obviously, I mean, you're kind of lock and chain in that one, and then it, it was nice to see him prosper last year. They're kind of having a rough start, so it's going to be nice to see how he's able to get through that grit and if he's able to push Jacksonville, any, Jacksonville anywhere. I, like, like I said, guys, it's just it's been so fun to watch the NFL this year. I think that like it, it's not just about seeing what the quarterbacks can do or anything. It's legit about watching football games that are close up until the end of the fourth quarter, where you're legit hoping that your team or the team that you're rooting against can either fumble this drive or score this drive. It's it's been really exciting. And you mentioned it. Like I mean, college football usually kind of has my heart as far as like the games and the passion. But the NFL has been doing really good for me this year. I'll be honest. I missed it more than I thought this year. Yeah, and San Francisco, I mean, they're such a complete team. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, Brock Purdy's playing consistent enough football to at least be in a good position because their team's so good. It's like they don't need Brock Purdy to be like Josh Allen or Tua, but if he's consistent enough to keep the team going and, like, keep the train moving, then they're going to be a beast this year. And we can talk about football and basketball and just the sports world right now is booming. And I don't know, are you guys familiar with boxing at all? Do y'all watch boxing in any I capacity? Don't. I don't. I'm not the hugest. I do watch, like, obviously the big Showtime events and big pay-per-view events, mm-hmm. but I don't follow it as much. Yeah, I'm a big boxing guy myself, and the Canelo-Charlo fight was this past weekend, okay. and Canelo, t- Canelo took care of business. Like, I had never seen Charlo fight, but Canelo made it look like he didn't belong in the ring with him. But Charlo, they say he's, like, a pretty good boxer. He's uh, a part of a duo. Him and his twin brother, they're both boxers, and okay. they said they're both pretty good, and Charlo... He came up in weight to fight Canelo, like, in his weight class. And he, you can tell after the fight he lost, he was like, I mean, you know, things happen. Things happen. I'm going to go back down to my weight <laughs> class, though. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's crazy to see, like, I mean, boxing, basketball about to come up soon. And then football, like, the sports world is booming. But with that being said, do you guys have any other um, thoughts you want to add? I know you guys mentioned Colorado a bit. You guys want to talk about them before we get out of here? I just kind of wanted to talk about, um, I mean, I think that Colorado's obviously been a hot topic this year, and there's been a lot of hype going around their program, and then they've had a kind of bit of a, I don't even want to say rough. I mean, obviously their game against Oregon was really rough, but then it was their game against USC was kind of projected to be a really rough game, and I think they showed themselves once again that they're going to be, that no one's expecting. I, I think we got a little bit carried away, and I'm just not we as in us, but we as in just a collective group that somehow we somehow the, the hype was leading to like Colorado National Championship this year that that was never the goal uh, Dion said it that the after they lost against Oregon you guys better beat us now this is the worst we're going to be and that's no joke we talked about it when we first started talking about Colorado on the show I mean they got the skill players there and they showed they they put up a great offensive performance without their one of their best pros, prospects from Travis Hunter but it's they have to continue to build the foundation of that team but once it gets put together uh, Thomas, I'm, I'm sure you're happy about this, man. Out there in Boulder, Colorado, they got themselves a team. And I just, like, they're the, cooking. everyone's beating down on them and what's going on these past two weeks. You guys do know, like, I mean, they just played against two top-tier programs in Oregon and USC. And last year, they were 1-11. and So I think that we just have to, like, keep those things into perspective. I think that Shador Sanders is continuing to show that he's going to prosper into, a, I think, what can turn out to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. I don't think uh, people are hosting a lot on his shoulders, too. I'm not sure that he's ready right now, and I think Sam nope. Dion has even mentioned that, but I think if anybody's going to be able to teach him how to get ready, it's going to be his father, and his father has been doing a great job with that team. Yeah, I think he has, too, and it's just crazy how far we've come, you know? I feel like it was yesterday where we saw the video of Dion <laughs> essentially telling half of his roster to, to hit the portal. Yeah. Like, in those, in those exact words, and here we are, they're 
I mean, the hype train is at an all-time high. Yeah. And imagine being a student right now at, at that school. You right. know, like, you just, football season is is just a different world, mm-hmm. I'm sure, down there. And it's, it's, it's really a great place to be. I'm sure Dion's very, very happy down there. And Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about this the last time I was here. Obviously, I missed last week. But the week before that, we were talking about how – I was talking about how Oregon was going to be a much tougher matchup for them than yeah. USC, mm-hmm. and that turned out to be right. Mm-hmm. Just because of their all-around prowess, I mean, Oregon's their identity is on defense, and their offense also can play. It's right there. It's right there. But in, with USC, it's just a shootout. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I never thought Colorado could have won that game. No. You know, it was 41 to, what, 14 yeah, something at like some that. point. Yeah. And so it was just, it was very, very unlikely that they would pull it out. You know, it took like kind of a garbage time touchdown. Yeah. It needed an onside kick. And it just, yeah. And even even then, you know, who knows what happens after that. Right. They could throw a pick. They could go down, score, get the two, and win. You know, it's just like that's just football. And when it, you can't really say, oh, if they only had a few more minutes, mm. you know, like maybe don't go down 38 to 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I like I just I definitely want to give them a little bit of commitmentship though. It's just like I, because you mentioned like the, the I, everyone kind of figured that Oregon game was going to be tough. I mean, there were some people that put out some hot takes that on they were the road to win. too. That that game was going to be super rough. And then they were I don't never going to win. Seen, um, I, I don't follow Oregon, but I heard about um, the hype tape they released after that game. I don't know if you guys seen it, but you guys should definitely go check it out. I've it seen was, it. It was a petty shot. I'm going to be honest, man. It's not like it's a, if anybody's putting that hype around Colorado. Don't get me wrong, Dion's there and he's a part of it, but it's not like he was specifically asking just for the hype train and like i i seen the the, the video they you know they're out there for clicks and no they're out there to win just as much right. as you guys they are a football program and I, i'm thinking a lot of people kind of change their minds on what uh like thinking that oh this usc game is definitely going to be a blowout so i mean it was just respectable to see that even though it was definitely looking rough for colorado at the beginning of that game that they were able to continue to try and fight that game out so i like I said, I like I don't. I, it's just been it's been kind of crazy to see the flip on Colorado this past couple weeks of like, oh, what's going on with the program now and yeah. this that and blah blah. Like, come on, guys, we just seen them play two crazy teams no, last year or just a few years ago. Nobody would have been expecting Boulder, Colorado, to be playing against teams like this. So this is it, it's a it's a big step up for sure. And I mean, they ch- they've changed my minds. Yeah. You know, heading into the season, I thought that this was. You know, I didn't really have a, a good grasp on Dion as a coach. Mm. You know, I really thought it was just kind of like a celebrity coach, going to bring in all these yeah. these guys who are athletes, but who not, aren't necessarily going to gel together and, and win games. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pro- he's proven me completely wrong. They won that TCU game, and I was saying, you know, this wow. is this is a darn good football team, mm-hmm. just straight up. And that was the first game coming off of a one in eleven season. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe it's. You know, maybe it's all just perception, and maybe he's putting on a great act, but he is doing one heck of a job there in terms of being a coach. I totally agree. I saw a video of him on the sideline. It was a compilation of him after every touchdown against USC, and all of them were by his son. Mm -hmm. He either threw the air on the ground, and after every single one, no reaction, hold up the one or the two for the point after, and move on with it. And, you know, that's the opposite of what I expected, you know. Yeah. I thought I'd see Dion out there, you know, showboating like he was in the NFL. Yeah. We talked about this last <laughs> time. I was, we, we talked about it the last time I was on here. Yeah. It just, you know, he, he completely flipped the script in my mind because as a player, he couldn't be more different than he is now. Definitely. I totally agree. The culture that he's instilled there is amazing for sure. All right. And with that being said, 
And do you guys want to end it off there before I outro us out? I got nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm good there. All right. With that being said, thank you guys for taking a seat at the table with us. My name is Anthony Brinson. I'm Deshaun Johnson. And I'm Thomas Cobb. This has been the Sports Roundtable Podcast. See you guys next time.